Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to the Racing Mentor Sponsorship Podcast. I'm your host, Jess Shanahan, and I'm here with Toby Trice. And I think we're going to kick off today before we jump into some more stuff about press coverage with um, a challenge Toby's currently facing. And we're going to talk about that a bit. So I don't know if you want to kind of, you know, fill everyone in, Toby, about what you're kind of thinking about at the moment. Yeah, so yeah, it's been quite a challenge the last sort of couple of weeks or so um, since we recorded the last podcast. We're actually recording this in the evening, which is really unusual for Jess and I because we're normally quite early doors first thing when we actually record these podcasts. And it is just because we've just been very, very busy. I've come off the back of a very successful race weekend, which I'm still still pretty buzzing about, which has kind of led for quite a lot of media attention. I've had actually quite a lot to do with sort of messaging people on social media, which has taken up my time. But the trickiest thing I've, I've found really is the fact that I've kind of gone... You know, I've gone back to normality. I've, I've still got a full-time job and I've got obviously sponsorship commitments and I'm also looking towards um, the future of my motorsport career. I was trying to prepare for the next meeting and kind of do all those things. And and, and actual fact is it, it, it's got very overwhelming the last few days, Jess. It's been very, very difficult to kind of manage my time and actually put it towards the, the right things because there's so many things to do and I don't want anyone to be disappointed and I want to make sure that I do all the things that I've got planned, etc. And I suppose it's kind of led me into this whole kind of thought process of of the future and, and how I kind of work as a racing driver as, as I move forward. Something eventually has to give and my heart is, is all in for, for becoming a professional racing driver as, as you know but the challenge that I face really is is kind of that that problem of you know I can't quite yet give up my my job because that's my salary it pays my bills puts food on my table and it gives me and my partner you know a lifestyle and yet racing the budget I've got in is is enough for the race season and hopefully fingers crossed as long as the damage bill stays low <laughs> I'll have a little bit of cash at the end of the season spare which I hope to put back towards my, my sponsors this year to give them some extra things but kind of yeah I guess it really leads me into sort of the dilemma of you know how I can kind of go about next year how I can kind of build almost a salary in with a sponsorship because for me now to give more to my partners I've got to free up time because I, I genuinely don't have any more time free and yeah something has to give somewhere and, and my job's the, the kind of the, the the tricky part of it and uh yeah Jess and I spoke earlier but it's just yeah just a very challenging time but it's not a bad dilemma to be in for sure because I've worked so hard mm. to make all this happen you know I'm feeling very positive about all this is actually quite an exciting time for me but as you can imagine it comes with very kind of careful consideration and, and obviously you know f- future plan and making sure that it all works really because it's it's difficult it's difficult yeah it really is and you know I think a lot of people who who go through this thing of I want to essentially change my career and I want to go and do you know this new thing and you know obviously in your case and people who are listening that's you know do how do I go and make a professional career out of being a racing driver or at least be able to give over more of my time to to do that to a high level there always has to be this like weird period where you're doing everything because you still want that security and you still, you know, it's scary to say, you know, I'm going to completely give up a secure salary to go and play with race cars. And obviously that's simplifying it a lot. There's so much work involved, but to the outside world, it, it would seem like a, a silly thing to do. But actually, you know, and I say this actually a lot to, to people who are in full-time work, but want to go self-employed and they yeah. try and do both, both full-time things at the same time. And it just doesn't work. You can't, you can't perform as well as, as you might in your passion in your, in what you want to be your career, if you're working another full-time job. So I always say to people, 
obviously keep the security and keep the financials. Don't put yourself at risk. But if you do free up your time to go and spend more more time on like the racing thing or, or the 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 side hustle or the self-employment, the business, whatever it might be, you're going to find that that will actually be way more profitable than you spending the same amount of hours on it alongside a full-time job. Yeah, because your your sort of headspace is kind of quite consumed, isn't it? And it's very hard to then find that additional energy to, you know, and really set time to actually be sort of creative and efficient at what you're trying to do as well, isn't it? So yeah, exactly um, that. But yeah, but definitely got to that point. It's um, it's it's great, you know. I'm sitting here and you know it's a big dilemma and very difficult sort of decisions ahead. Um, mm. But what a, what a dilemma to be in. Absolutely, <laughs> awesome. so, absolutely. But yeah, I'm just grateful of kind of everyone that's kind of around me and supported me, and you know the team that kind of that I've built is 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 great. And uh, yeah, hopefully for the future we've got many more things and exciting stuff. In mm. so yeah, yeah, nice. Yeah. I I know that we've done a, a, an episode on kind of time management, but this is kind of next level stuff. And I know we're going to be talking about press coverage today, but just a couple of things that I've told to, to other drivers and worked out with other drivers in the past are look at where you're spending a lot of time without much return. So yeah. obviously a job gets you return because you're getting your salary. But if it's a job that has a long commute that you don't get paid for, then that's wasted time. Is there a way that you can use that commute productively? Is there a, a job close to home where you could do a similar thing, but you could save that that time on the commute? Often certain, like, I, I found this with clients, but it's the same with sponsors. Often like lower value sponsors tend to be the ones that demand the most attention and the most time. And not not all the time. You know, I know some drivers who have kind of gone out and been like, yeah, I've got a sponsor and I've offered them all this stuff to hook them, but they're still only getting a small amount of money. And I'm so guilty of this with clients as well. <laughs> so <laughs> you, guys, you guys are not alone. Setting kind of boundaries of like how much of their time you get if they're a smaller sponsor is is another way. Obviously, that doesn't help anyone who is struggling for time now, but, but setting those boundaries and, and making sure that small sponsors aren't eating up a ton of your time so you can focus on those larger ones is another thing obviously I know that doesn't really help you Toby but there are a couple of the things that that I've kind of noticed from working with other drivers of you know where are these where are these time sinks and and can you solve these small areas of you know where you're losing time while you're still in that transition period of needing you know the full-time job or the part-time job alongside the racing yeah and I think this topic's quite broad to be fair because I'm sure I'm not the only person in this kind of dilemma you know like you said before about you know people that are in employment and want to set up their own business and become self-employed etc it's a really valid topic isn't it and it's really it's a really interesting thing to talk about because we all have this this point in in our lives as entrepreneurs as kind of what what has to give and setting those boundaries are really really important you know I've I've kind of to help alleviate a lot of my time I've I've actually got people on board that that do certain tasks for me now which is which is fantastic Mm. and that, that does free up a lot of time but then I've then filled that in with more interviews more media work the charity work I'm doing is very busy and obviously that's for the cause of, of why I'm racing in the first place and yeah there, there comes that saturation point again doesn't it and kind of what what can you then do to make things more efficient or, or what can you do to kind of make sure that you're actually still working towards and achieving your goals and I have highlighted a couple of things recently that I'm I've been doing that actually are not working anywhere near towards my goals they're not actually helping me out and they're the things that I've got to now kind of look at and you know start saying no to people because because mm. sometimes I'm, I'm one of these people that I'll say yes to a lot of things yeah. and keep going because <laughs> I, I love 
help people. I love doing things, but my focus has to be with my sponsors and, and the work that I do with them. So yeah, lots to learn. But I feel like mm. this could be like an entire podcast about chatting yeah, about I think it should like be. This. Yeah, yeah, um, absolutely. But I'd I've love to so know much, your thoughts. <laughs> I've got so much more I want to say on this as well. I, I would love to hear what, you know, what everyone else is thinking and if they're in, in a, uh, a similar position. But I just want to like pause on on this topic with just like one last thing. Um, I think I've mentioned this before, but there's a book called The 80-20 Principle. And it's this concept that 20% of the work you do will bring in 80% of the results. So it's it's so much more valuable and time efficient to focus on that 20% of stuff that brings in all of the results and not waste your time with the the big 80% of stuff that doesn't bring in much at all. Yeah, no, I can I can relate to that because I can see certain areas of what I'm doing and actually, yeah, yeah how to balance it up. And and I, and I want to finish on a final point as well, just if you don't mind, is of that, um, you know, I, d- I don't by any means mean this in any braggy way possible, but from from the back of the, the last weekend, it, it was it was a great success. It's been amazing. It's been amazing. But it, but it has actually hindered me in time <laughs> because uh, lots of people want to talk about it, which is great. And I, I love it. I love talking about the, the race and how it went and what to do and how to prepare. I love all that kind of stuff. But even just, you know, on a local level, just me going out to walk the dog, I've been bumping into people and then they've you know, I've, sat, I've spoken, chatted for 10, 15 minutes about it. And, it, and I love it because the support's amazing. But that does actually add to the to the equation of time because obviously mm. that if, if that happens sort of three, four, five times a week, you know, there's, there's easily a couple of hours there that's gone that actually could be, you know, spent um, doing something for a sponsor or whatever. But at the same time, I love having that time. So it's it's it's, it's a balancing act all the time, isn't it? And uh, it's it's a fun challenge, I guess, as, as racing drivers that, that we, we kind of have to have to get on with mm. in, that, in that respect but can you understand what i'm saying like it, it just yeah it can become very consuming and uh, you know hopefully if hopefully let's let's, let's hope we can win the championship <laughs> we're getting hard <laughs> towards that but that'll that'll be an interesting time as well after that period you know what what will that be like and mm. how much time will that take up and at the end of my season i'm gonna be looking towards you know working towards the next season and so yeah it's uh it's it's an interesting time but i'd love to hear from you guys out there listening you know how how you found sort of similar challenges or have you got some kind of similar things going on that that kind of hinders your time but at the same time you want to keep keep it up is that the right way to put it <laughs> yeah yeah so uh, i think you and your doggos are going to need some kind of like incognito outfit maybe walks. you're going to have to dress them as i don't know spaniels or something and you know wear a hat you'll be fine <laughs> This is, if, if if anyone ever sees me anywhere blonde, well, they won't because everyone expects me to have pink hair. So no one recognises me as blonde. That's my incognito. That's how you do like, it. Like, that's my disguise. Undyed hair. <laughs> <laughs> Just in disguise. Yeah. Yeah. Let, let's talk about getting press coverage because we're kind of continuing this series of, you know, the last few podcasts. We talked about how to write a press release, how to use one. And now we're going to talk more about how to get that more advanced press coverage that that requires a bit of out of the box thinking. So we, we did, a, a, I think, one of our very, very first podcasts, which I realise now is over a year ago. So happy anniversary to us that we completely missed. Wow. Uh, happy anniversary. Yeah. We did an episode on thinking outside of the box in terms of when you're pitching and how you can come up with like really standout ideas that, you know, will make a potential sponsor, you know, stand up and, and pay attention. And actually going to the media is kind of similar in that, you know, you write a race report, it it talks about your race, talks about your successes, maybe sponsors, the human angle, all the stuff we talked about in the last couple of episodes. But if you can think outside of the box on that, you can actually find some really huge press coverage. 
And, you know, I think we talked about this before. We talked about how every story has all of these different angles. And it's about making your story relevant to the type of publication that you're pitching to. So, you know, Toby and I have done a little bit of work kind of just just looking at different media types and specific publications, just so we can give you some examples of, you know, how we might approach this to hopefully give you some inspiration. But of course, you know, that this is quite advanced PR stuff. So do bear in mind that this used to be my, you know, my entire career before I, uh, you know, left to play with race cars. <laughs> Best decision I ever made. So if talking, I, about, talking about a challenge. <laughs> yeah, just, yeah. just on it. Just yeah, on it. I did. And actually, I don't want to get onto this again because we'll talk about it all day. But I did quit my job so I could go and live my dream. And it, and it was scary. And, you know, I think I've talked about it in various different media and that kind of thing. But we'll definitely do an episode on that. I can tell my story and share my wisdom. That'd be um, great. But yeah, so if any of this does seem like quite advanced or maybe a bit overwhelming, stick with it because I think this will make sense by the time we get to the end of this. And don't forget that, you know, you can hit me up on Instagram or email or wherever it might be just to ask questions. So if there's a publication that you want to target, let me know and I'll help you come up with the the, the angle. I want to help you guys. So don't be afraid to do that. So, so I guess, Toby, where I kind of want to start is Let's talk about the press release that that we worked on together for for your race weekend. Yeah, and I guess I can use that as an example um, of how I might hit some of these publications. But then I'll also give kind of other examples as okay. well. So I don't want to put you on the spot, Toby, but uh, <laughs> talk to me about your kind of your perception of the media and where you think, as a racing driver, you could kind of place press releases and get coverage from. Yeah, I mean, you know, I look primarily um, kind of looking at my sponsors and where I want to kind of land myself that's going to be under their nose and it's going to be relevant to the to the audience that that my sponsors are part of obviously railscape's my my biggest sponsor so kind of more railway press coverage would be fantastic because it'd really give them a huge return because it, mm. it puts it puts their business in the front of people that they could potentially get client work from which obviously is hugely important because that helps their business grow so that's that's like one big avenue because my kind of niche is within male fertility and I'm looking to obviously create my awareness campaign on not just to fertility publications, but I want to I want to make it a thing on on a you know on the huge audience. So any kind of men's lifestyle, kind of men's health type magazines and publications would be really nice because mm-hmm. there's a big kind of audience reach right now of you know men's mental health. I think as we record this, it's actually Men's Mental Health Week. And so mm-hmm. you know while the iron's heartless, they strike it and actually get some kind of attention that actually this is a cause of men's mental health to be in decline um mm. so here's me talking about it and kind of trying to make you know break the stigma and, and you know, break break down the barriers around kind of male fertility so that's kind of like where where i want to go i suppose with it yeah okay so let, let's start with this like glossy media angle so i'm thinking you know publications like men's health that would be like i would say probably the the pinnacle of where you could place your story and it would be hard you'd have to find the right contacts you'd have to have the perfect timely angle so I'm not saying that that would necessarily be easy but I can see that there is potential for that so when you're looking at like okay the pinnacle is men's health but what smaller magazines are there that touch on similar subjects so I'm sure there's tons another one I was thinking of that it's not quite glossy media because it's it's a website, but there's Gentleman's Journal that covers, they cover men's health, they cover fashion. I think I, what, like maybe five years ago, wrote a piece about Bernie Eccleston for them and about Formula One. 
So they cover most of what they have that interest. So yeah. I think there could be like a, a good angle there for you to kind of talk about men's issues and men's health within within that kind of publication. So that's kind of where I would go for glossy media for like your niche and your the angles that you potentially have with your uh, press releases. But I also want to give some examples of other kind of glossy ma- magazines. So these are typically the glossy, gorgeous, well-produced magazines that you'll find in a supermarket or wherever people buy magazines. I just realised I have not bought a magazine in so long. So the one magazine I have got at the moment is the Pit Stop. That's that that magazine. There you go. That's just that's the one we're both rocking right now. That's awesome. Yeah, to be fair, yeah, like good plug. Yeah, can't can't recommend that enough. So obviously with motorsport, there there are the clear motorsport magazines of which pit stop is one and so do pick that up but i think as racing drivers it's worth looking outside of the motorsport side of things because there's so much competition there and you're probably not going to stand out as much as you think you do especially when there's so much happening within formula one and british touring cars and if you're not competing at that level just yet and and notice i say just yet because i believe in you all Thanks. (laughs) Thanks. <laughs> you know, there, there's so much competition. You, you're probably not going to get a look in unless you've got a really good contact or some kind of just incredible story. Sorry, were you going to say something? Yeah, no, I was just going to say, like, it just comes back to the kind of, you know, thinking outside the box and standing out yeah. as, as racing drivers within your niche and how you attract sponsors. You know, we've said mm. time and time before about, you know, I'm a race winner and this is what I do, etc. This is now thinking a completely different way, isn't it? You know, yeah. how, how can we attract a different audience of our unique story? Mm, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, only a slight step away from from the most sport press is the automotive press, especially any that have that like really nice lifestyle anger, angle. So I'm thinking Top Gear, Car and Driver, Evo, even like Fast Car or any of those kind of like, here's how I did my car kind of thing. Yeah, so Those kind of publications, I think, again, are really strong because race cars stand out a li- only a little bit, but a little bit more. And often they are looking for like human stories, but I think certainly things like Evo, Car and Driver, if you've got a good like road trip angle or something really timely and relevant, could be a good shout if you're aiming for what we call tier one, like top tier media. But again, and we're talking about thinking outside the box here, if you have an interest that's relevant to to you, so like just something that you do in your day to day that you can somehow like even vaguely link back to your racing, then look for magazines covering that. So one that I thought of was Home and Garden. I think that's the name of it. But any of the interiors publications, if you have something very racing related or something very relevant at your home or even just a beautiful home that, you know, has race cars in it or has, uh, you know, maybe you've got a workshop attached or something like that. Look through these publications because it might be that you could have them come around and photograph you know, where you live and speak to you about it and that kind of thing. Or even just, you know, a small story about how you transformed, you know, your, your garage into the most high-end workshop you could. Little things like that might not seem relevant on the surface of it, especially if you're standing and looking at a, a bunch of magazines. But actually, you'd be surprised what angle you can find by just thinking, you know, around a couple of corners. You're a genius at this, Jess. <laughs> like, I'm loving it. I'm listening to this and it's just absolutely yep. inspo. It's brilliant. Good, um, good. Because there's something that you'd, you'd easily overlook because all you're thinking about is kind of what happens at the racetrack, et cetera, okay. et cetera. But at home, I know many of you have got, you know, kind of really cool decorated either offices or places that you kind of mm. got, you know, your race memorabilia and stuff. And yeah, like, why not celebrate that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And like, 
when I was doing um, PR for a driver back just before Racing Mentor started, I got her into Glamour magazine. Just I think it was talking either about her fitness regime or her beauty regime or something like that. Because she was very kind of glam racing driver. And that was huge because, you know, this is a, you know, a publication that's read by hundreds of thousands of people, I, yeah, I guess. Massive. massive, isn't it? You know, it's on the level of, you know, Men's Health, Top Gear magazine, that kind of thing just happens to be kind of beauty and fashion. And that's kind of around the time that I realized that reaching out to the motorsport press, pointless, because we don't necessarily want motorsport sponsors. We want sponsors outside of motorsport where there's not, you know, tens of thousands of other drivers competing for their attention. It's very, yeah, it's very true, isn't it? It's very true. And, and nine times out of 10, I mean, look at my sponsors, they're, you know, barely motorsport related in it for the most part. And yet they're in this field of motorsport with me. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, no, that's, that's, it's a really good point. Yeah. It's a really, really good point. Cause, cause I think we do get, you know, and, I, and I'm guilty of this myself, you know, we do get kind of like sort of tunnel visioned on, you know, must make sure we get motorsport press and get oil sport and kind of all the kind of motor news and all that kind of stuff. And actually, you know, that, like Jess said, it's, it is very saturated and something that could, might, or could, might be quite nominal to you, like your, you know, your, your garage that you've converted with your race car in it could make a really interesting piece for, for the audience in something completely different away from, away from motorsport. Yeah, Jess, you've just literally fueled like loads of thoughts. I've just been watching the chat and I've just been kind of thinking about things that like looking at my office and looking around my house kind of as we're, as we're talking, going, you know, what can I do here? You know, I've got two Border Collies, so why can't I, I do say. a story with, you know, with kind of Border Collies and I don't know what magazines are associated with them. Um, dogs, I'm sure there's many. <laughs> I think there's literally Dog Magazine. So Is one of, dog? One of yeah. my first ever paid commissions as a journalist, I wrote about a road trip for Your Cat Magazine. So I took what I love. How's that even, how's that even related? <laughs> I, I will tell you. So I took what I love, you know, which is road trips. And yeah. I was like, where can I pitch this? Um, basically, I drove my friend's two cats from the UK to Sweden in one day because he couldn't afford to fly them out there. So I was like, I'll drive them. So I drove across Europe with these two cats in the car. And I wrote about it for your cat magazine. That was my first ever like proper paid commission. That's brilliant. Yeah. I remember so, you telling me about taking the cats to Sweden, but yeah, I never I never realised you actually did a press release, so that's amazing. Yeah. So um, that, that's just kind of an example. Obviously, I wrote it because I'm a journalist, but, you know, if you do something similar, you know, even, even if it's just like, can you fit two Border Collies in a race car? Let me show you. Don't, <laughs> don't do that. I don't think they'll enjoy it. <laughs> but, you know, you can, you can create a press release about it. You don't have to be the one to write it. So, yeah, uh, you know, a lot of thinking outside the box there. But I think, yeah, Dog, dog Magazine, perfect. Good show. Yeah. Good show. Yeah. I'll, I'll, well, I'll, I'll start looking. I'll yeah, start looking. Start looking. Yeah. I'm sure and, that there are loads. Yeah. And just, just, to, just for maybe a bit of advice, just for people listening on this, because obviously these are like really kind of out of the box type ideas when it comes to approaching this do you think it's you know actually wise for for drivers out there right now to a first start looking at other publications that perhaps they might have interest in but actually contacting editors at these at these publications to start net, that networking process because obviously it's all well and good having this good story but if you then have a good network of people within you know within that, that part itself then it'll only make it easier when you come to actually want to get a published piece yeah, absolutely. I think editors and journalists at top tier media probably would be hard to build a, a relationship with quickly and probably best if you're going to do it to do it via social media, praise them, ask them questions, share their things. Probably the best way to start. 
still might not get noticed. It might take a long time to build that relationship. But certainly, uh, you know, slightly smaller magazines or trade media, which we'll get to, you you can definitely start building that relationship. And, you know, even asking the question, I, I think I have a story for you. Can you just tell me the kind of thing that you're looking for? Top tier media, they'll ignore you. National newspapers, they'll ignore you. But smaller publications will get back saying, well, we're working on this feature this week or month or whatever it might be. Okay. So you might get some response there. And if they don't respond, it's not because they don't like what you said. It's either that they literally have not seen it because busy inbox or they meant to reply and just didn't, or they thought I'm sure they'll get in touch if they have a story. So yeah, I think, yeah, I think we, um, we touched that on the last um, podcast actually, isn't it? Is, um, mm. you know, don't be, don't be worried if you, if you don't get much response because they are busy people. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, you know, follow our normal kind of relationship building advice of, you know, don't take up too much of their time, give them a compliment, ask them a question, and you should start to get somewhere. Typically with big, big publications, they'll want you to follow a set process for submitting a potential story idea, which we usually find on their website. So I just want to, I just mentioned this, but I want to talk about trade media as well. This is, I've had so much success with this. And the wonderful thing about trade media is it's business people and decision makers who read it, yeah. which is so valuable for you guys as drivers who are looking for sponsorship from businesses. So again, thinking about your kind of angle, Toby, I did some research here because the healthcare industry isn't um, exactly my uh, specialist subject, but did just quick, quick research, just a Google. So it, within like the healthcare industry, there's tons of different publications. Some are really strangely specific. It's amazing. But I went with the more general ones. So there's health tech, so, you know, if maybe there's like, you could find some kind of tech angle on on the stuff that you're doing, or maybe that the charity's doing. There's also modern healthcare. And I think using a racing driver as a brand ambassador is super modern. Yes. So I think there's, there's such a cool angle there. And again, like I said, there's, you know, there's so many like, you know, really, really niche healthcare publications. So there's loads of nursing publications. So if someone was a nurse going to one of those, you know, magazines would, would be incredible. So, such like a perfect fit. I'm just trying to find some of the really strange ones that I found because it's really, really interesting to see how specific some of this stuff gets. So there's Hypnosis Plus, Health and Safety International, which I think might be quite interesting for anyone who works in construction as well. So yeah, neuroscience, nursing, really specific again. Yeah, these, so, are, these are super specific, aren't they? Yeah. Um, very, yeah. very niche. Very, very niche. Yeah. Gastrointestinal nursing. Wow. So yeah, it, get, it gets really niche and it, it's not just within the healthcare arena that this happens. It happens everywhere. Again, I'll try and stay quite broad with, with my examples. But when you're thinking about what your niche is, don't be afraid to get really, really granular with it because there are clearly publications out there for you. And I'm pretty sure it's the same in, in every industry. You know, if you're a, a carpenter or you're in construction, you can probably find something that's about the, the very specific type of woodworking you do. So the readership might not be huge, but it's still it's really, really relevant. And press coverage is press coverage. You're getting in front of the right people. And, um, you know, I'm sure there are like fertility uh, industry magazines as well. Yeah, there's a, there's a few there's a few kicking around in the fertility world. Yeah. Um, and they are kind of like more trade trade type ones than yeah. outpatients. Yeah. Which 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 serve a really good purpose. But I think yeah. with um, with my kind of fertility sponsors I've got, um, we're trying to kind of obviously access our story to to you know, course, the general yeah. public. But the railway kind of part of my mm. kind of sponsorship, that's where the, the kind of, because the, their clients are 
other business decision makers. Um, yeah, so trade trade media is more beneficial for them mm. than, than a glossy media magazine. Yeah. And actually, the railway industry has tons of publications as well. So there's Railway Gazette, which is the one I've worked with before when I had a railway sponsor on the Porsche team. But I also think there's just one called Rail and one called Railway something yes. like that yeah so there are loads there as well and actually with railscape there, there's so, so many great angles there and actually even just the toby trice wins all the things railscape was there is, is a good enough angle so i think that the stuff that i got into the rail industry magazines was rail industry business sponsors race team <laughs> just really really simple and then i think another one that was railway industry company sponsored team wins things so that was that was quite straightforward some might take a bit more thinking outside of the box but it's just a really good like nice relevant good news story to get into these kind of trade publications but i'm sure we could think some more kind of niche more interesting kind of angles for those kind of those railway publications but you know even outside of you know these these niches that, that toby works in go out and look for whatever trade publications are, are in your niche. So typically I would do this by searching for your niche and then just putting trade magazine. So accounting trade magazine, construction trade magazine, audio and visual trade magazine, music trade magazine, whatever it is, whatever your interest is, you should be able to find something. And, and just, just, just while you're on that topic of niche, you know, I, I kind of want to just reiterate that point and rewind back to previous episodes where we've talked about drivers making sure that you, you start with your niche when you when it comes to kind of creating your brand and kind of who you are as a driver and and this just goes full circle now because I, I remember when when I was on the six weeks to success course and, and Jess was obviously going through kind of what is your niche and we we're just all discovering kind of what our niches were and and I must admit you know I used, I used to think you know why why is this that important and I kind of just just trusted what Jess was saying and kind of went with it and obviously created my niche and, and my brand etc but all of this now comes full circle because now I'm looking for publications within my niche to get my kind of sponsors that I've attracted within my niche, good publication and good media access and, and, and obviously reach to, to the audience that's specific to them and their niche. <laughs> so mm-hmm. it, it just proves the importance of it, doesn't it? And and this is where you can then really, really sort of hone in on and kind of really generating good value for your sponsors. And and this is this is the good crust of it, isn't it really? Yeah. Yeah. And it, it just kind of goes to show how much easier it makes life for yourself. Yeah. Because if you have a good niche, you're not competing with all of the people that only have motorsport as their niche. Yeah. It means you've got these other avenues that you can reach out to for uh, for coverage, for sponsorship, etc. Yeah. And and so let's look at, obviously, we looked at Gloucester Media Magazines and, and Trade Media. The internet's a wonderful place and there's some amazing, amazing blogs online. Do you think blogs are a, are a good place to actually get kind of media attention as well? Yeah, and I, I, you know, I obviously there are some blogs out there that don't get a huge amount of traffic, but I think even just sometimes being like, hey, someone else featured me. It's not just me talking about me. It's quite good, especially if you're just kind of starting out and typically smaller blogs are easier to kind of get onto. But, you know, there are some huge blogs and, you know, online magazines out there that are just as widely, if not more widely read than some of the glossy magazines. Yeah. So you guess, I guess you kind of have to find the right level to pitch it at. But again, you can find just whatever is in your niche. So thinking again of like some kind of men's lifestyle blog, something like Average Joe blogs, or is it Average Joe's blog? 
I never remember, but you know, so, and and there's an average Jane's as well. So for women, a really good kind of just kind of covers everything blog. Probably the kind of one that would want to come have a whiz around in a race car to get some coverage, but really good readership on the like the men's health side of things. There's loads, but kind of one of the mid high range ones is the Good Men Project, which talks about toxic masculinity and men's men- mental health. And then you can look at some of the really big ones like BuzzFeed or Refinery Twenty Nine. Again, hard to get into, but if you can make the you know the right relationship with the right journalist with when you've got the right story, could be huge coverage. Yeah, yeah, and they're worth fighting for, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, if you're thinking about taking your your PR really, really seriously, I would say kind of sit down and really think about where you want to be, the kind of media that you want to be in. Obviously, something like men's health or BuzzFeed might seem quite far off unless you do have like a really strong, really big, really different story. But that's not to say it can't be something to shoot for. But also you can start to look at, you know, what publications are like a couple of tiers below maybe that you can kind of start with the the same kind of vibe. You can kind of test the water. You're not going to get as much, you know, reach but you're still going to get that 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 coverage, which is good for you and it's good for your sponsors and it's putting you in front of new people outside of motorsport, which I think is really, really important. Yeah, because it's nice to attract new people to motorsport, isn't it? Because it's such a wonderful place to be in and, and attracting yeah, new people to the sport that we love, yeah. our sport, which is yeah. ultimately awesome. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, uh, and I guess this is kind of on the, the same thread as uh, blogs, but also influencers. So specific singular bloggers who, who mostly maybe have a, a blog that's about them and their adventures. People like that are also sometimes worth reaching out to. Often they'll want payment or some kind of experience but if you can find the right people to work with, it, it could be huge. So again, something to bear in mind if there's, you know, an influencer within your niche or someone who you know would love to, you know, have a day of, you know, sitting next to you as they drive while you coach them. And they would then put it on their Instagram stories that would reach, you know, tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of people. Again, worth thinking about. Yeah, that's a really good call, actually. I've not thought about that myself because you, you see a lot of companies give things to influencers to help obviously generate business for, for that company. But like, yeah, like why not use it as a racing driver? Why not kind of use that yeah. to your advantage to actually get an audience reach? And, you know, you could generate a whole new world of fans. There's there's a, there's a It's not really that close an example, but Lando Norris um, has recently taken on um, Steve... Alvarez Brown, I think his name is. He's a, he's a mm. caster I've raced with before in, in go-karts in Club 100. Very, very successful Club 100 racer, but also a bit of a YouTuber. He's done a lot of kind of stuff with um, Forza Horizon. But he, I think he reached out to Lando once upon a time and they've now sort of like hooked up together. And, you know, Steve's social media has gone absolutely bonkers. He's hugely followed now. And actually he's got a finally gone from rental karting onto owner driving in, in senior Rotax. Um, so for him, that's made a massive step up and he's now affiliated with Landon Norris, which is a really cool story. Mm. But it does, I suppose, link into that influencer status, doesn't it? Lando's quite an influencer. He's got a yeah. big stake behind him. Um, and, and he's managed to sort of work like, sort of work with Lando on a few things and I actually think that that ended up from a Butmore Park 24 hour race that I was in with Lando nice. and the others and yes he's he's doing amazing things now so actually yeah that's a really good thought Jess really good thought it's made me kind of wonder what influencers may have been so let's say dealing with fertility issues that I can yeah. kind of speak yeah. to and say look here's, here's my story let's hook up 
Yeah, I'm sure there are plenty. And my one of my good friends, AJ, will kill me for not remembering the guy's name, but there's um, <laughs> a really big like train guy <laughs> on YouTube. So even something like that on the railscape side of things. And actually, AJ, he has a YouTube channel called Another Station, Another Mile, which is all about trains and it's he incredible. Does. So again, like anything like that, if you if you found some kind of YouTuber who has some kind of relevance and they might be looking for something to film. So for example, anyone that's doing any electric racing might come to me for my electric car YouTube channel to do a story. Yeah. And often actually with YouTube, you'll probably find better production value and better storytelling than you might get from something like the BBC where they're so kind of short on time that yeah. it, you know, it's a, it's a five minute segment and that's it. So worth thinking about. Yeah. Cause I remember when I did my BBC news piece that, that was spent, well, I think we spent like five hours of filming. It was a long time and the piece was probably about six minutes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and there was so much more that was said throughout the filming and Obviously, it's only crashed into a very small window. And obviously, you know, six minutes of BBC ad time is amazing. But mm. um, there was so much more spoken about. And like I say, Jess, if you can get kind of a similar audience reach with a big influencer, because let's face it, some of them have got absolutely huge yeah. audience reaches now. But you get a full like 20 minute or 30 minute video or, or kind of press thing with them. That's 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 mega. That's pretty yeah. big. Yeah. So, you know, all those people that you've been chatting to on Instagram, just check out how, how influential they are, because they could be good people to kind of partner with and tell your story. True. And kind of, I guess, the last and perhaps most advanced point that, that I kind of want to talk about is thought leadership. And I'm guessing this probably isn't something that many of you will have thought about. So I'm going to explain what it is. So forgive me if you already know this. But so thought leadership is, is the practice of basically putting yourself out there as an expert. So it's slightly different to putting out a press release, because typically what you're doing is you're either writing an article or you're saying, hello, I am available to talk on this topic. Now, you'll probably have seen this everywhere without without realizing it, but often you'll see something like, you know, Goodyear's CEO talks today about the future of mobility and how tires play a part in that. And it'll be, you know, in a trade magazine or it'll be in a, a car magazine and it'll look like it's been written by the CEO of a company. That's thought leadership. That shows that this company and that CEO knows what they're talking about enough that they can get it out into a publication like this. And it's their voice. It shows that they are the expert. It's also done on LinkedIn. So if you've ever looked at my LinkedIn, every single thing I post is thought leadership. It's showing that I am the expert in some way. Yeah. And it can also be done on Instagram. It can be done you know, on your own channels, but I'm going to talk in the press sense here. So there are two ways to do this. You might write a piece of thought leadership. So something that shows that you're the expert. So Toby, in your case, it might be, you know, how you worked with a sponsor to get this result. And this is what we can learn from that because of this big news thing that's going on. So I don't know, you might relate it to the, the football that's going on at the moment or something like that. Something timely. There still has to be that kind of timely angle that we've spoken about in previous episodes. But you're basically writing an article in your voice saying, I'm the expert and here are my opinions, but it still has to have value to the reader. It can't just be salesy. So a lot of the time when you pitch these to the press, and I'll try and find some extra resources for you because I don't want to just talk through this um, without, you know, without any kind of back and forth because it's not necessarily relevant when I could just uh, share some links. But you're, you're pitching a bylined article. 
So it's almost exactly the same as a journalist would pitch a bylined article, but your company gets mentioned in there, which is why they, you don't get paid like a journalist would. And you can pitch these to all sorts of publications, but usually trade media is the best. Another way to do this is to go to a publication and say, hello, I am an expert on these subjects. If you have any stories coming up that I can comment on, please let me know. So in your case, Toby, you might say, hello, I'm, you know, uh, Fertility Network UK brand ambassador. Here is a little bit about my journey. I'm available to speak on these men's health issues, but also men's mental health as well for these reasons. Please get in touch. And obviously, you know, the, this week being Men's Mental Health Week would be a really good hook and a good angle for that. So that's kind of the, they're the two ways of doing it. This is so powerful because you basically get to hold all the cards and show your expertise in a way that seems really, really natural and is super compelling to the reader. Whereas if a journalist is kind of asking you questions uh, just on your journey as a whole, you're not necessarily going to get the chance to say the things that you want to say about your sponsors. Yeah, that's a good shout. Um, and it all comes down to that. I think I've mentioned, I've certainly mentioned this on some of our webinars and trainings that I've done, but it comes down to this whole show, don't tell. So you're basically showing your expertise by saying, yeah, men's health, let me write, write, write a piece about, you know, my journey and these things that I've learned. That shows that you're an expert there because that influential publication has trusted you to put something in there like that, or they've trusted you to give comment on a topic. And that, and that should help you attract kind of future sponsors as well, right? Exactly. Because you're, because you're kind of by being the expert in that field. If there's a if there's a company that wants to associate themselves with with kind of people that are in that expertise area, then surely that's that's an easy conversation then to start having with that that company, and they, and they may even approach you with actually, you know, how can we work together, kind of thing, because exactly. you're clearly an expert. So that's such a really good point, actually, Jess. And I honestly think that this combined with a strong niche is all you need so here we go this is going to come full circle if you <laughs> if, if you want to free up your time you want sponsors to come to you yes so if you can combine thought leadership and a strong niche you won't ever have to hustle and pitch you will have people come to you which is the ultimate right that's, it is. The, it that's, is. The, that's what we're all fighting that's what we're all searching for right here isn't it yeah yeah exactly and you know you can start off by doing this on linkedin and again if you want to go snoop my profile feel free so i have two niches i have business of motorsport sponsorship and i have electric cars and the future of mobility those two things combined with doing thought leadership on my own platforms so my, my blog's website uh, and on linkedin a bit on twitter means that i never have to pitch for work really and certainly don't have to do cold pitches it's, it does definitely come to you. I mean, if, if you haven't gone onto Jess's LinkedIn, like genuinely pause this and go and have a look now on your phone <laughs> um, because, uh, yeah, the engagement you get, Jess, actually, by writing mm. really, really engaging kind of um, thought leadership work is is really impressive. I, I always start in awe of like the kind of conversations that you seem to just start um, through mm. the comments and they reach, you know, far and wide. And I'm sure that, that helps you generate an inbox of, yeah. of questions queries and, and requests for actually can you can you work with us so yeah um yeah definitely definitely guys go and just pause and have a mm. <laughs> have a quick look on jess's linkedin <laughs> profile <laughs> so i you know if I, I know this is deviating slightly from pure press coverage but if you just want to practice this do it on your own channels and then soon you'll kind of you'll start to see you'll start to see this in other places particularly like look at ceos of big companies and look at their articles on linkedin 
Um, that's great examples of thought leadership. And typically, you know, there'll be similar stuff on various websites, trade magazines, etc. So look out for it and see how it's done. But I'll try and find some um, some examples. There, there are certainly some examples that I've written for CEOs and stuff because typically too busy. They ghost write, get stuff ghost written for them. But I'll yeah. try and find some examples that I'm allowed to share. <laughs> that that will help help you you know kind of get a sense of what this looks like and i'll see if i can dig out some of the old you know pr outreach stuff that i've done as well or toby if you're up for it maybe i'll do a little of little bit of thought leadership outreach for you offering you as an expert for comment if you if you can find the time for a few more interviews but why not why not (laughs) let's do it yeah Um, and and i just want to touch on another point jess so to just inject there just like how to get press coverage something i've just had a recent win with just just i was just talking actually before we started this podcast is that my kind of status within the charity as an ambassador it usually leads for me to get kind of press release because what i what i've got I kind of got with the charity at the moment is because i'm i'm the male fertility ambassador any kind of publication or journalist etc con- they, they continually contact charity for have you got someone that could talk about this particular topic and and quite often the the charity email me and say hey are you interested in this piece which then gets me press coverage i get to then contact that journalist and it gets me press coverage within the, the fertility world and and that's something that you know just to think about if you're if you have a charitable cause that you're you know or you want to raise money for a charity etc as a racing driver you know potentially it can give you a really nice reach and access to kind of all these kind of glossy magazines trade media magazines that that perhaps we've been talking about and how to get in them but that's just another example that's got me kind of coverage in that respect yeah absolutely and you know you've essentially got someone doing a lot of the hard work for you there plus obviously they've got the profile of you know publications are going to come to them when they are looking for a source yeah so it, it, it that's you know uh, another benefit of working with a charity not to not only do you get to do great stuff but there's this there's this you know unexpected kickback a lot of the time that you do get this extra coverage yeah because it's quite mutual because obviously the mm-hmm. charity get the press coverage themselves because obviously that you know you that's why you've got the press release press coverage in the first place so mm. it's good exposure for them because then it, it allows them to potentially get more reach which hopefully is more donations etc but then for your sponsors um and typically some of my sponsors are really within the, the fertility niche helps get them coverage doesn't it so yeah um everyone wins and that's what you, i think that's how you got to look at it isn't it is how to how to make sure everyone wins yeah yeah absolutely so I, I feel like there's been a lot of information in this episode and feel free to go look at the podcast notes on blog.racingmental.com if you want access to some of the resources we've spoken about. But I just want to give you guys a heads up before anyone else gets to hear about this, but I'm working on another course for Racing Mentor. So it's going to be, I know, me too. That's going to be a, like really in depth and I can't tell you too much at the moment, but if you do want kind of a sneak preview, I'm asking for some feedback on some ideas so if you're in the Racing Mentor sponsorship community on Facebook, you'll find it as a basically a short survey as an announcement in there. Uh, just give, give me like five, 10 minutes of your time just to give some feedback, but you'll also get a little like sneak preview of the kind of thing that I'm planning. I'd really appreciate if you do that and feel free to share it with people. Just helps me out, but it helps me help you. So like the more information I have from you guys on, on what you need and what will help you, the, the better the course can be once it's it's ready to go live. So yeah, um, Facebook community, check it out. If you haven't already joined, uh, feel free to join and I will accept you. But yeah, it would really help me out if you could just spend like five minutes just going through that survey. That would be great. So thank you so much. 
Awesome. Yeah. Super buzzed about your new course. Yes. Can't wait yeah, to see it. I'll, um, so I'll, I'll be able to give more, more kind of information uh, once we've fleshed out a few, a few other things. I don't want to give away too much too soon. We'll be talking about it on a, an upcoming podcast uh, like soon, I'm sure. Awesome. Great. So thank you so much, everyone. Uh, as always, if you have questions, you know where to find us. Go check out the podcast notes. If you want access to those resources, you'll find this episode and all of the previous episodes over at blog.racingmentor.com. And as I've mentioned before, you can always email me on jess at racingmentor.com as well. Amazing. Thank you so much, Jess, for your loads of your tips. This has been, no a, been another great podcast. Thanks so much. And uh, I hope you guys have got something from this today. And don't forget to, to share us all of your, share all your good stories because uh, we do love hearing them. Absolutely. So yeah, hit us up if you've got anything cool to say or you want to ask questions. But if not, I guess you'll hear from us in a couple of weeks. Yeah, be awesome, everyone. Take care. Thanks. Bye-bye.